This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Welcome to the latest episode of Radio Hawke's Bay, Peace Witness with Liz Remiswell here in beautiful Hawke's Bay, Hiratanga Te Mata a Maui. And today it's my great pleasure to introduce Sonia Smith, who is the coordinator of Rocket Lab Monitor, and she is from Nuhaka. She is a nurse and she lives in Gisborne now. She's also a farmer's wife and she's recently been to the World Peace Council Congress in Vietnam. Welcome, Sonia Namihi Nui. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity today. Yeah, so Sonia, you've been very involved in recent years, um, I suppose. Is that because of what's been happening in Mahia? Yeah, pretty much it is. I I feel like I kind of fell into it a little bit. Um, Essentially, we have a corporate set up in Mahia launching rockets. That's that's Rocket Lab. And um, as that company grew and that activity went on in Mahia, a few of us started asking questions, sharing some of the same questions, not really getting answers, asking shareholders of the land block that the launch pad is based on, asking other locals and they had similar questions and no one could answer them and um, really that just a few of us got together and decided we had to do more in relation to that and that's when we founded a website a couple of us and I became an organiser essentially it's a watchdog website around the company's activity in Mahia and it's called Rocket Lab Monitor yeah so that that sort of was a journey that I hadn't foreseen. Um, I didn't, I guess, see myself necessarily as an activist, a coordinator and organiser of a watchdog group, but there you go. Sometimes things present themselves to you and uh, you can't do nothing. Yeah. Well done you for, for stepping up, and that's on top of a very busy career um, in nursing and management um, and also during this pandemic that we've been faced with. So and shifting house too, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um, sold a property in Wairau and relocated. Decided to go a little bit closer to where a lot of our Fano were, so a little bit further from Wairau and closer to Gisborne now. Yeah. And of course, um, you're very well connected in Mahia, being um, Ngati Rongomo Waihine. I am Ngati Rakaipaka, so um, I was born in Wairau and uh, my whanau principally from Mahia and Whakapapa ties to Rungamai Wahine too. So yeah, I, ha- I have a little whare in Nuhaka that I get back to regularly um, and I guess that's where my bones are. That's about, I don't know, it's probably about 30 k's from the rocket launch site, uh, my little whare. I've, certainly there's a lot of people that live a lot closer and... Um, much more connected to the activity there and uh, so I, I support the whānau, uh, Rungamai Wahine whānau in, in Mahia about what their needs and wants are in relation to uh, this company called Rocket Lab. 
And I guess it's been really tricky for local people because there have been different points of view and there have been people who, some people who have maybe benefited or thought they might and there have been others who have been very concerned about what's going on. But um, what's your take on, on what's going on and do you feel that that the governmental organisations have, have performed their role adequately in terms of safeguarding safeguarding the environment and, and safeguarding local people? Uh, so you're right, Rocket Lab is really contentious, their presence there. Um, so initially it was sold to us all it was going to be a really good thing, bring a lot of employment, um, a, a big boost to tourism. Rocket tourism is a thing, <laughs> And um, so both the Hawke's Bay Regional Council and Wairau District Council, um, that was their spin on this. And that's also what was being promoted by the company as well. And and so, um, I mean, what do we all know about rockets? Like, from a technical perspective, there was very (laughs) little we could understand or predict about what was going to happen. Um, And it did bring some employment um, but largely that's not with local people. And look, I don't begrudge people who need a job and find a job and work for Rocket Lab. I, I really don't. I have whānau that work for them. But it has not bought the economic um, boost locally that is, has been touted and that Peter Beck continues to tout. So recently in the AA magazine he said he was one of the biggest contributors to the Hawke's Bay economy. Um, I've never seen anything to substantiate that. And um, there's only a handful of locals, as in people who have resided in Mahia for some time, that are actually employed by Rocket Lab. So um, there's people that have moved into the peninsula and work with them. Um, They've moved there for that employment. And, of course, gentrification does happen in lots of places, but it's certainly accelerated. So the holiday homes and rentals bottomed out with Rocket Lab's presence. Has our government done enough? I think that was the last question. (laughs) I think this is my single biggest um, beef, is the lack of transparency. So where we have asked for independent testing on the environmental effects of rocket launches, we haven't seen any of that at the public hui um, held, and sometimes that's on Marae and sometimes that's at Mokotahi Hall. Um, but the company, um, they've said that everything's OK, no, we've tested that, we've tested this, everything's OK, but actually we haven't seen any evidence of that whatsoever. So we're not reassured. Um, so, so that's in terms of environment, but also the payloads, so complete lack of transparency around the payloads. So... Mm-hmm. When um, we've asked for Official Information Act uh, submissions on what the payloads contained, often big portions are redacted. Um, they cite national security or, uh, um, what's the other one, economic sensitivity, uh, you know, commercial sensitivity. Um, but it's pretty hard to justify. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so that I guess that makes... Trust difficult to establish in the community, and have you had anything dealings directly with um, the local MP and the Minister of Business, Stuart Nash? No, not not directly with Nash, uh, except um, a couple of organisers have sent letters and had responses to him around the issues, around the issues of payloads, uh, around the issues of lack of transparency in the payloads. 
um, we've been fortunate. We've had really good support and really good local kōrero with the Green Party. Um, so Liz Kirikiri and um, Tianu Tuiono, they've, they've been present at local hui and really um, listened and heard what some of the local issues are. And, um, you know, they share our concerns around the lack of treaty partnership in terms of this approach from this company. There's a real arrogance from this company that I can't say I've seen anywhere else. It's almost like we can do what we like and we don't ask for permission and we'll maybe later explain a few things. It seems to be um, very much the way they operate. And that's in line with also how they gained consent to be there, a non-notified 35-year consent to operate. Now, in this day and age, these things are unheard of. Um, so, you know, they, they had their ducks in a row. They, uh, I think they knew the rules pretty quickly. They had, um, uh, I guess, bureaucrats um, to consult with. And uh, they've got this very much, uh, what would I say, a fixed presence yeah. So you're concerned about the payloads which may, might be of a military nature and connect with the US military, what, because um, of the consequences of those payloads or do you think it might put locals in danger or how do you, how do you view the concerns about the military payloads? Yes, all those things. Uh, Warren Thompson, who's with the ABC crew in the South Island, the Waihokwai um, spy-based crew, he, he wrote an OIA recently asking if they thought that Mahia was now a target as a result of some of the payloads. And MB declined to answer that. So, you know, we're looking to these departments for some confidence around our position and that location. Yeah. On what basis did they decline? Um, they just declined to answer that, and I'm happy to share that OIA. In fact, I think it could be on the website. If it's not, we can post that later. So what is your website? Uh, so that the website's the Rocket Lab Monitor, um, com. so you can um, check that out. Uh, so... The thing is, um, the payloads are often monitoring equipment for many foreign uh, militaries, and and that's our concern, and that's the connection to potentially being a target going forward. And have you followed up uh, with the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Nanaya Mahuta? No, but that's probably a good idea. (laughs) That's certainly a contact we could look to. Or the Prime Minister? The Prime Minister. Yeah, we just can't seem to get that high up the chain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, there's probably um, time to talk about Vietnam now. So, um, so you, um, I think, at your own expense, attended the World Peace Council in Vietnam in November, was it? Yeah, it's November in Hanoi, um, and it's um, and, th- and thank you to the people that presented the opportunity for that. <laughs> I can't say um, that I was someone that was really au fait with the business of the World Peace Council up until um, preceding this this conference. Um, it was quite fortuitous. It was in Vietnam, and there was certainly a different culture, a different way of being, and a different narrative that people have when they live in a country where war is in their living memory and that, and that's something you notice very much in Vietnam 
So what exposure did you get to the Vietnamese people and um, culture? Yeah, so um, the Vietnamese are amazing hosts. So we were hosted at the highest level. In fact, we got to meet the um, Vietnamese president the week after Jacinda had just been there doing trade deals. And uh, we were hosted, I'd like to, I call it in his front lounge, um, we were hosted in the front of the presidential palace, which is an exquisite building from the French um, time there. Um, very personable. We were all given gifts, um, and he shook all of our hands. And look, the the, the security presence is not what you'd expect. Um, journalists, people were standing up and able to video. It was so relaxed. They were so personable. Um, they, their English is pretty good. They speak fantastic Spanish because um, Vietnam has a language exchange program with Cuba, so a lot of uh, Vietnamese go to Cuba and vice versa. Um, So they're just incredible. So that's the regard that that nation and the president holds for peace. And um, so we were treated, well, we were treated as VIPs, as well as having the opportunity to get out and about, obviously, on the street. Um, We were also hosted at um, what... What initially looked like, I guess, their defence force, but it's not. It's actually a peace organisation, and they're now in the United Nations Peacekeeping Forces, and so they set up hospitals that do a lot of work in Africa. So we were hosted by, like I said, they appear to be military, but they're there for peaceful purposes. Yeah, I just, yeah, they, they were incredible hosts. They um, make sure you have everything you need. They are interested in everyone else. Um, the food's exquisite, of course. Um, you know, their their English is great, so we're lucky. We feel pretty. I feel pretty monocultural as <laughs> you traveling here when you think at their languages and what they do. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! And so you had the chance to learn firsthand all about the World Peace Council, which is, I guess, it's a pretty anti-imperialist organization, essentially. It certainly is, and so they have this forum that I attended every four years, so it's quite a big deal for all the um, delegates from around the world to get there. And the main crux, apart from obviously listening to what everyone's got to say, um, interacting with a host country, is to ensure that the declaration is agreed upon. So that's a um, consensus document from everyone that attends, Um, that's their uh, Peace Assembly Declaration, and that holds fast for four years. So you only get that opportunity once every four years. So there was a couple of moments where I thought, oh gosh, you know, (laughs) perhaps I could have, um, I think, put more of a tunnel for the Pacific people in there. So there isn't any Pacific people's representatives, um, and how can someone, say, from Kiribati, hope to represent at a forum like this? So it sort of behooves all of us at this end of the world to kind of ensure uh, that happens. So New Zealand falls in the Asia-Pacific um, branch of the World Peace Council. So we had our sub-meeting and um, we all declared that climate crisis is obviously one of the biggest threats um, to nations and also peace. And uh, we have the likes of India, China, Korea... Um, really big nations in there who are obviously some of the biggest emitters in the world and there's me saying hey um, actually all the nations most affected by this 
are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and none of them are here. So I really need you to know that whilst on one hand you're saying this, your nations are doing something else and we've got all these people at jeopardy. So making sure that's noted at our regional meetings and I think going forward that that that's also in the World Peace Assembly final declaration. So it's a big region that New Zealand and the Pacific Pacific falls into and I mean it's a region with some really big tensions with what's happening in the Korean um, peninsula at the moment around there um, with China Um, Australia's obviously a really big player, they also weren't that present at this assembly which is interesting, so we had an Australian with us, that was um, George Bridget who is an artist that lives in Hanoi, who's um, great friends um, with a number of people, and his father was a pioneering journalist. So he was uh, he reported on the bombing of Hiroshima, and so George is quite a big peace advocate. But he's not he lives in Hanoi. He's not a part of an Australian contingent. So Australia was really obvious by its absence, um, particularly as such a big uh, what's the word. Um, should I say, uh, I won't say no, uh, I'll just say uh, with big alliance with the US and the Pacific, yeah. Well, I suppose, um, was there anyone from representing the United States there? Yeah, there was actually. Um, so there was, um, there, there was a professor who lives in New York and um, he was very scathing, obviously, <laughs> of his own country's, um, I guess, aggression and part they play in NATO amongst a whole bunch of other things, yeah. Mm, so always very fascinating to get how many people from how many different countries? Um, it was around about 120 people, so usually a few more, but interrupted by COVID. Um, and oh gosh when I think about the countries I would say easily um, 50 or more Oh fantastic and um, unfortunate that you got sick with COVID when you were actually just arrived in the country I did so I I had five days before the Congress to really sort of get the feel of Vietnam and um, to do my own thing for a little bit and um, I'm always mindful when you go somewhere else that you're in someone else's uh, neighbourhood, someone else's country so it's good to get to know people and understand where you are and have context. Uh, unfortunately that was spent in a hotel room. The f- I've still got to you know, praise them for uh, the food that was delivered delivered to me was fantastic I was really well taken care of and um, you know their COVID um, regime was identical to New Zealand so they're right up there in terms of um, you know managing uh, health and well-being oh well I guess you got to have a rest after your busy time but um, so so coming back what have you got to look forward to this year Sonia yeah, I feel like I've got lots to look forward to because it's been one hell of a last sort of 18 months. Um, so, I, you know, a lot of what we do in terms of managing a watchdog is responding to what's occurring, occasionally being proactive around issues and keeping people informed. And it's been a year interrupted by COVID. It's been a year where we hope to host Wananga and we... Um, 
felt that bringing other people to the peninsula was not going to be good, that wasn't going to help serve people there, so we took a hiatus in that space. So um, networking was really affected, promoting what we do was really affected. I guess at the same time also slow the activity down of the company, <laughs> so that's one thing. Um, yeah, so it's about just uh, regrouping, um, networking in a way that is, I guess, sustainable, and like radio slots like this are really good ways of doing that. That's right, yeah, and um, hopefully this, well, your voice will get heard. Um, do you feel like actually that the company, Rocket Lab, is taking any notice of your work? Um, They definitely take notice because quite frequently we're contacted by their communications team around various things or when we highlight issues, press releases follow very quickly. Um, Myself and and Tuwahini from Mahi were able to attend the Aerospace um, Summit last year which is the first time one of those has been held in Aotearoa. And um, I, I don't think it was just us, but I could say the security presence there kind of very much. They, you know, being watched, being wary of people that might have a different opinion other than the company's one. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's good when people can feel free because you're doing this all in your own time, really, and with very few resources and um, huge challenges to take on. So, um, namihi nui to you. Um, so just finally, um, do, you, do, you, well, do you also think that the government is taking notice of Rocket Lab Monitor? Uh, to be honest, um, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, but I do notice the tone of the responses from the Minister through the OIAs has changed. So um, they don't write anymore, no, no, that we're not supporting any nuclear action, nuclear war, which is a bit of a red herring. We've never, we've never thought that or um, around uh, the rocket launch payloads. So um, what we have concerns is what's been launched into our space could be used in a kill chain or it's um, part of active battle or monitoring by the United States and other countries. So um, we haven't um, portended that, that it's supporting um, nuclear payloads, which is clearly against the law and against regulation. However, the minister keeps sort of, well, used to keep diverting that way. That doesn't happen anymore, so it's sort of like moved on from that space. And I think looking at the heartier, or or what's the middle of the issue here... Hmm. I mean, would would people be actually told if there was any connection with nuclear uses in these payloads anyway? Would that be public information? I would hope so. And like I said, my biggest concern is transparency or the lack thereof, um, which sort of... Well, yeah, if these payloads are harmless, if what the company is doing is legal and ethical and moral, then why is this not more transparent? Mm. Fantastic. Well, Sonia, um, finally, what what do you hope to see happening in Aotearoa in this space in 2023? 
Uh, just just like I did, I want to see other people start asking the questions as well. And I think that's what will really change our government stance, is the demand for information and transparency. Uh, I want to see Aotearoa have a position in rel- relative to peace that we've had in the past when this country once took a stand against um, nuclear weapons and took a stand against um, basically nuclear-powered uh, submarines and everything our ships coming to this country and we said actually this is not this is not us and created an identity I'd like to see this country have an identity again around peace and give it the value it deserves mm. Thank you so much Sonia, well said Namihi nui, kia ora Thank you This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.